Welcome to People Keep Dying, a podcast where we talk about people who die. I'm your host, Angela. And I'm Stephanie. And now, well, we did famine last week, and I didn't want to be so depressing this week. Also didn't want to get hacked. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. by the two well, largest cyber attack countries in the world. So let me start off with the victim. Okay. Because... This person wasn't murdered, but she was the victim nonetheless. So her name is Elena Helen Milagro de Hoyos. Okay. And she was born in 1909. She was a beautiful Cuban-American girl who was diagnosed with tuberculosis. And she was kind of like a, like, not to say she's a nobody, but she was pretty unimportant. For yeah. the short life that she lived. She was a daughter of a local cigar maker, and in most accounts, nothing special. She married Luis Mesa on February 18, 1926, at the age of 17, who left shortly after she miscarried their child because he was a dick. Okay, so hold on. So he he left her after she miscarried? Yes. Okay. Wait, when, when was this? Nin- well, she was born in 1909. They got married in 1926. So... Like, it's not a great Early time. 20s. Yeah, yeah, it's not really the best time for women. It's not. And then on top of that, she's Cuban, so it's probably not the best. So she died legally still married to him because she died at a pretty young age. And in case you don't know what tuberculosis is, which I certainly did not, it's an infectious so, disease that affects the lungs. Yeah, it's a lung disease. And it's airborne, which also meant that most of her immediate family also died of this infection. Oh man, did the husband die? Or he did he, he he got out before he left before yeah. she got, you know. Well darn. And at this time there were no treatments. This is when we're introduced to this German born radiology technologist named Carl Tanzler, who is the subject of my person today. Okay. And he was born Count Karl von Kossol, February 8th, 1877, which means he was 32 years her senior. Okay. I did the math and all of this because I realized that it's probably helpful. I wrote, like, a little bit about his youth. He lived a pretty interesting life. Like, during his youth while he was traveling to Genoa, Italy, he claimed to have been visited by a vision of a dead ancestor, Countess Anna Constania von Kossol who revealed the face of his true love, an exotic, dark-haired woman, to him. While in Germany, before meeting Helen, he lived a full life, including a 10-year stint in Australia, where he learned engineering, electrical work, and learning of prevailing weather and sea conditions. He started building a transatlantic flyer, which I think is a boat, because they don't have airplanes, before the war, World War II, broke, which led British military authorities to place him in a concentration camp for safekeeping. So at the end of the war, no prisoners were permitted to return to their formal residence, and once reunited with his mother, he returned to his sister in the United States due to her suggestion. Basically, like, get the fuck out of this area and go do something else. So between his time after the war until he emigrated to the U.S., he met and married Doris Anna Schaefer, and had two children. Emigrated to the United States in 1926 and settled in Zephyrils, where his sister was with his wife. Yeah, his, his sister was, and he moved there with his wife and children. 
He left his family there and took a job as a radiology technician at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West, Florida, under the name of Carl Van Consul. And in April 22nd, 1930, while working, that's when he met Helen, whom he immediately recognized as the dark-haired beauty from his earlier vision. Now, is it because she was just dark-haired and beautiful, or was it like a he recognized her face from, like, the vision from before? He recognized everything? Face. Like, it was, oh, man. That, I mean, that's what he that says. I mean, it's possible. You know, it's people, possible. It's possible people have said weirder things, but it's just like, I wonder if this is like the first dark-haired woman. Person, yeah. But I mean, everyone apparently in the village said that she was very beautiful. She probably was. And, but I mean, wait, I have a picture. She's no Helen of Troy. No. Well, we'll see, right? <clears throat> she was beautiful, by all accounts. Oh, yeah. But she, she was obviously also very young, which, you know, young people are. Beautiful, more beautiful. She had good skin. Yes. But I mean, she's 17. So, yeah. Um, or I guess at this point, she was 21. Well, she eventually was diagnosed with tuberculosis. And Carl, with a self-professed medical knowledge, and that's not how that works. Because I can't just be like, I'm a doctor. And in my non-medical, but very medical knowledge uh, what are you talking about people do that on facebook comments all the time i know so he was pre-facebook he's just ahead of his time i mean <laughs> yes i would probably say he's ahead of his time <laughs> he didn't have google i mean i'm i'm a doctor if i have google searches to be able to put my yeah. symptoms in and, and then, then get, and also it's always watching, cancer also watching a lot of house oh house i watched Scrubs. All of the seasons of Grey's Anatomy, I'm basically a doctor. doctor. Same thing. It's the same thing. For yeah. sure. Um, his attempts to cure and treat Helen was a variety of medicines as well as x-ray and electrical equipment that he brought to her home. Just put some coconut oil on it and carry I mean, it for five they, days. They didn't have a cure for it yet, so he was just like trying to save her because he's convinced himself that she is the love of his life. Yeah. So, Carl showered Helen with gifts of jewelry and clothing and professed his love for her, but there was no evidence that she reciprocated these feelings. Well, I mean, not the first, not the first lady in history. And not the last. Yeah, and definitely not the last. I don't imagine that um, he handled that very well. It actually, he doesn't murder her. Oh. Like I said, there's no murder, so... I mean, I still don't think he handled it very well that he was... I mean, I don't... You know what? Maybe it wasn't that he didn't handle it. He probably was completely oblivious because he loved her so, so much. much. It's possible. And we'll see later. Okay. That's how it goes. I don't know where this is going because I'm so sinister. So I'm like, he killed her! He killed her! Doesn't and then he ate her. Killed but like... Her. But it gets really weird. Okay. So he paid... He, Helen died October 25th, 1931 despite all of Carl's attempts, because he's not a doctor. And he paid for her funeral expenses, as well as commissioned the construction of an above-ground mausoleum in Key West Cemetery, which he visited every night. You know, now that I think about it, I mean, maybe it wasn't so much that she didn't love him back. She was it really was probably sick. just that she was really sick. He was also 32 years old. I mean, her. age... 
Who cares? I mean, the bitch was already married. Sorry. She was the lady, still married. The lady had already been married, and then that asshole ran out on her. And then she got sick, and her family died. Well, her family didn't die yet. Oh, okay. They just eventually Then she died. got sick, and then this dude who fucking loved her and was like, I have been dreaming about you since I was a little boy. But it doesn't sound like love. It's like an obsession. With I her. mean, yeah, but it's... We're it talking weird. about the 1920s. It gets, it gets weird. I'm just saying, she probably did love him. That was the craziest. Her cat just did the most ninja. He was at your speaker and, like, ninja pounced onto the mat. He catches flies and then he eats them, right? So he likes, like, watching the flies, like, slowly crawl away from him. He'll pounce on them and then eventually eat them. Yeah. (laughs) I love cats. Okay, sorry. So... On April 1933, he removed her body from her resting spot, saying that her spirit would come to him, and he would sit by her grave and serenade her corpse with her favorite Spanish song. Oh my god. (laughs) No. It gets better. Okay, first of all. I mean... He really loved her, though. I can sort of appreciate a man who loves you so much that he's, I mean, willing to put up with... Her decaying skin. Oh, like, it gets better. Uh, and this was in the 20s, right? I can't imagine that they were embalming 30s them very now. well. The 30s. I still can't imagine that they were embalming them very well back wow. then. Wow. Oh, he God. said that she told him to take her from the grave into his home. Okay. Well, she obviously told him. We don't know that she didn't say uh-huh. these things. So he attached her bones together with wire and coat hangers. Fitted the face with glass eyes. Oh my god. And because... This is some Norman Bates shit, but not with her mom. And because the, the internet's great, this is her face. <gasps> oh my god! It's like... It's so horror movie-esque. It's... Oh my god, who is that? It's Jason? No, Jason is the... Michael? Michael. Yeah. Mike Myers? Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So... That is horrifying. Was that her... Did he make new skin? Yes. I get to get to that part. Oh, sorry. So, as the skin started to decompose, Carl replaced it with silk cloth and soaked soaked in wax and plaster. He kept the body together so he can love it. Wax and plaster. He even was trying to even keep the 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 skin consistency, even the feeling. That is... See? So it gets weirder. As the hair fell, he fashioned a wig from her hair that he had been collected or had had been collected by her mother and given to him not long after her funeral in 1931. I'm sorry, her mother gave Gave him the hair? Because he paid for the funeral, (laughs) right? Can you imagine that conversation, though? I love her so much. I want to compare her hair with whatever women I ever meet in the future. I just want all her hairbrushes. All of them. Or maybe they shaved her hair and then saved it in a bag. And it oh my god. Her. I don't know. But now I mean, he has her hair, so it feels better and more <sighs> full. And talking about fullness, Carl filled the corpse abdominal and chest cavity with rags to keep the original form, dressed Helen's remains in stockings, jewelry, and gloves, and kept the body in his bed. I wonder why. Oh my god. Ew, no. Ew, no. 
And this is a two-year-old decomposing body right away. It's not even, like, a new body. What is even is left? What's left? Like, at this point... You saw her, the picture. That's her what's skin, left. Her skin clearly was mostly gone and is now yeah, wax and plaster. Her hair is there. I mean, the smell alone would just... I get to so, the smell. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm getting so ahead of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's... This is... No. He oh used... Copious amounts of perfume, disinfectant, and preserving agents to mask the smell of a decomposing body. I mean, at least he was smart enough to use a disinfectant. Mm-hmm. Like, how did how is he not getting sick? Like, touching all up on this. Oh, oh my gosh. So he was finally discovered in October 1940, seven years later. Helen's sister, Florinda rumors of Carl sleeping with Helen's decomposing body and confronted him in his home where the body was discovered. Rumors? Who, how do you... Maybe he talked about it. Maybe he he had people over and people were like, what's that really gross body that smell? And he's like, this is my wife, Helen. And then authorities were alerted by Florinda and Carl was arrested and detained. But it gets better from here because... He was he had a psychological examination and was found fit to stand trial. <laughs> but after a preliminary hearing, the case was eventually dropped as a statute of limitations of the crime had expired. What's the statute of limitations? I don't know what they were in 1940. And I guess grave robbing was fine as long as you don't get caught for a certain amount of time. Okay, but he was desecrating a corpse. You know? What is the statute of limitations for desecrating a corpse? And also, how was he not charged with desecrating a corpse? There was clearly some necrophilia going on. Which, what was he charged? He which, was only charged with grave robbing? It wasn't even then because he got caught so much later that he was accused of it so much after the fact. After the corpse was discovered... Physicians and pathologists examined her body, and it was put on display at the Dean Lopez Funeral Home. What? Classy. Why was it put on display? Because it's so... This is 1940. Like, TV's boring, if there even is TV. Radio is 100% I mean, boring. You see a dead at a body. funeral home... It, I didn't understand if it was, like, at the circus, or, like, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Which I get like to. Like, a museum. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just such a spoiler. Where it was viewed by as many as 6,800 people. That's a lot to just yeah. come to a funeral home. And to see, well, I mean, this body is encased in plaster and silk and wax and has real hair and glass eyes. Can you imagine that family, though? Like, that family... I, 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 like, I think, besides Florinda, they might have all died. So they Yeah, but have... still, poor Florinda... Florinda? Is that her name? Oh, yeah, Florinda. <laughs> what, an Florida. what an unfortunate name for Florinda in Florida. So, get to the... So, Helen's body was eventually returned back to Key Cemetery in an unmarked grave to prevent future tampering, because he'll probably steal it again. But when the media wrote about this, the general public was sympathetic to Carl and found him to be an eccentric romantic <laughs> you know you, you sort of fell for him in the beginning right and then you're like no this is getting really weird i mean yeah <laughs> i mean it's pretty weird but it's also one of those things where it's 
I mean, we're talking about Florida. Florida's got some weird people. And I don't think... I'd be interested to know how many people do do that. Like, it, like over time, that, like, dug up the bodies or really kept good. the they bodies. they caught. So, you know, yeah. it would have better than maybe they're doing it now. Or I yeah. wonder now, like, if you can, like, just get your... That person's body cremated and it's get, like, one of those love dolls and then just have the cremated ashes in the love doll instead. And it's like... Oh, my God. People person. are like, hey... Before you cremate my wife, can you just take a, a mold of, of her, her body? body? Yeah. Just like, I like a cast of her vagina so that I can make a sex toy. Which you can do, yeah, so by I the mean, way. It's not unreasonable to assume that someone's going to do that now. It's just easier now to do I it. wonder if people do do that now. They probably do and just don't or talk about it. if I just like, well, I'm 100% certain that I'm not the first person to think of that. But like... Man, oh man, that's, ugh, no. There's no reported, like, things that said that there was necrophilia going on, but from, like, there's several books written about them, and authors Harrison and Swicegood revealed Mm. that there was necrophilia. Two physicians recalled a paper tube that had been inserted in the vaginal area of the corpse. I was just about to ask... What do you think he did to sustain the structure I'm just of her back in her days? Of her lady bits. That's like her boobs would have just Well maybe <laughs> maybe he didn't care about the boobs. You know? Maybe he was really just into like her creepy poreless and hair and glass eyes. Other contested that there was no evidence of necrophilia that was presented in 1940, and because the physicians talked about finding the paper tube in 1972, it was pretty questionable if it's like a real thing, because it's 32 years later, you're like, oh yeah, there was a tube there. Like, maybe he didn't use her body. Maybe he actually was just obsessed with her. Yeah, he was and just... not in a sexual way, but in like just a... Yeah, he was caring for her. That's why he was trying to keep the skin. And yeah. He was it's like... It's still weird. It's still weird. But his motives are, we look at it like it's weird, and he, it probably, it may not have been. It's still weird. It's still weird. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not weird. I'm just saying it may not be as weird as we want it to be. Yeah. Because people, I mean, I'll start, yeah, as soon as he said she was in the bed, yeah, he was fucking her. But maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just maybe, holding her. Maybe he like was a child. I don't think he loved her in a child way, though, because... Was his soulmate that he thought she was? Whatever. But anyways, in 1944, he moved to Pasco County, Florida, which is near Zephyrus. Zephyrus. Where he wrote an autobiography <laughs> that appeared in the pulp publication Fantastic Adventures in 1947. I couldn't find it, but he wrote one. This dude wrote an autobiography about how he dug up his... Love his love and but then love him back. Didn't it? Well, now I want to know. And if in the autobiography, if he said that she did, I want to know. Girl, I I want I want to read this autobiography. But he wrote an autobiography about how he dug up a corpse and then laid with loved it. Loved her. Oh, just he just wrote a book about how he loved her. It wasn't a I book. Mean, it seemed like an article because it was in a publication. I'd like to. I'd be intrigued by this to know his thoughts. You know, it's love in his head. 
His home was near his wife, because he's still married, by the way, Doris, who apparently helped support his later years. She, she was okay with it. What? Doris, no! And Dor- he, I totally forgot about Doris. I didn't even know Doris was even a person. Still married. Dude, he was married to someone while he was and sleeping. two kids. I'm sorry. He was married to someone while sleeping next to a corpse? Yes. Where was she during that he time? He was... In separated? The, yeah, it was in a different city because he was still working at the Key West, right? So. Oh. My. God. But then he moved closer to his wife. They still live in separate houses. He, she supported him. Because why not? And he became a U.S. citizen in 1950. Because even with all that weird shit he did, it's okay. Not able to live without Helen, he created a death mask, which is a wax or plaster cast from a corpse. So he probably made that second face. To create a life-size effigy, which is a sculpture, and live with it until his death in July 3rd, 1952. He was found three weeks after his death, and it had been recounted that Carl was found in the arms of Helen's effigy, but his obituary reported that he died on the floor behind one of his organs. I'm sorry, his, behind his organ, like a piano? I, I think that's what it meant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> behind one of his organs, like he ripped apart. Sounds a little. Yeah. Usually you don't write that in your obituary. Form. Yeah. I wasn't sure if maybe he like cut out his, his or like, I don't know, his liver and gave it to Helen. It was like, I'm going to go be with you now forever. Yeah. Never. Like who knows? But I mean, it's pretty cool that he died in her arms. Her, quotation mark, arms. The obituary recounted a metal cylinder on a shelf above a table. In it, wrapped a silken cloth and a robe with a waxen figure, which might have been his effigy. I thought he made a real, like, a full-scale effigy. I couldn't figure it out either, because I was reading, like, a couple articles, and... Okay. So, that's what they had. And it was rumored that Carl switched the bodies, and he died with the real Helen. Like, someone returned to Helen's body. Because, you know, like I said, the media had written about it, and a lot of people felt like, well, she's already dead, and he loves her, so why can't he find her? <laughs> I thought that's really confusing. And to bring this all back to your Ripley's Believe It or Not, <laughs> Ripley's Believe It or Not in Key West has an exhibit creating Helen's body being cared for by Carl. So you can see what her body is. Is it actually like. her body? I think it's like a replication. Oh, darn. But still. I was really hoping his work would have lasted all of these years. It's <laughs> weird, though, because after I was doing all this research for his article, a lot of the bigger publications had already covered it. And I thought that this was just a story that like I only knew for a long time because everyone was just like, what are you talking about? But like BuzzFeed did an article, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." I mean, BuzzFeed will do an article on absolutely everything. Yeah. So there's there's nothing that BuzzFeed has. But it was touched. recent, so it was like in the last year or two that they did the article, and this is like a really old thing. But I thought it was just an amazing story because when I read it the first time, I turned to Nick and was like, "That's maybe that's what I should do to you," and he was just like, "Good, good, okay, well, thank you for telling me about necrophilia." Well, some a little bit of necrophilia, maybe. possible necrophilia. Some. Thank you for talking to me grave about digging. grave digging. Um, 
It's super, that was definitely different. We're going to go a little bit further back in time, just by just a few years. And um, so I'm going to talk to you today about Mithridates, who was a soldier in the Persian War of 400 BC, who accidentally killed Cyrus the Young in the Battle of Canexa. That is a little bit more than a little far back. Yeah. 400 BC. Yeah. It's like 2,000 years. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Cyrus the Younger was the second son of Darius and Parasatis, who ruled Persia in 424 BC. Cyrus was the younger brother of Arsacas, who would later rename Artaxerxes II. They say that Cyrus was headstrong and passionate and intense, while Artaxerxes was soft and gentle. So basically, uh, between these two brothers, you had like one who was like, super strong and intense and he was a good leader and he like everybody sort of loved him and then there was uh artaxerxes who was a little bit more soft and he was gentle and a little bit more passive and kind of just like a little a little he was meek. artist he was, like, little, he was meek he oh. was uh he was the firstborn um so he was the heir to the throne mm-hmm. when darius died uh, we're, we'll get to Artaxerxes a little bit later. Um, but people spoke really highly of Cyrus, uh, especially when he was a kid. They said that he was very modest, really obedient. He uh, learned really quickly, was able to develop skills really well. He was a great horse rider, plus he showed a lot of appreciation for like the animal itself, which at that time people didn't really appreciate and care about animals. There the weren't they like did. pets or anything yeah. like that. They were... They were just animals. Yeah. Yeah. So he, like, really loved horses. Um, He was one of the quickest and brightest learners and an eager participant in war training, specifically in the boat and javelin. He really liked hunting wildlife for the chase. So, like, once he basically got old enough, he got super into, like, the war stuff and, like, just dominating everything because he was big and strong and Mm -hmm. loved all of that while... Artaxerxes was kind of like, well, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be king, so I'll just like sit over here and not really do much. Um, there were a lot of good things said about Cyrus, um, which uh, Arsacas, like, there was a lot of brotherly rivalry because mm-hmm. uh, Cyrus, by all accounts, was more of a favorite, especially uh, with his mother, and the guy was like overall. A fucking badass. Like, he would... Well, he, he wasn't, he, like, considered a stereotypical, like, sissy type. No. Boy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, I mean, he was, like... He was the spare. Like, you, they created the heir, then they had the spare. Yeah. And so he kind of got to be able to do a little bit more. Yeah. Um, there was less restrictions for him on what yes. to do. Yeah. yeah. And he succeeded a little bit more versus Artaxerxes, which didn't. So in 408 BC, after some successes in the war in Athens, Darius sent his son uh, Cyrus to Asia Minor as a governor of Lydia and the commander of the Persian troops. So he was like, hey, no, you've done really well. I'm going to give you like this huge promotion. Uh, I'm going to send you off and you can go represent us um, over in Asia. And he was like hanging out and being respected and everybody loved him and... Uh, he was, like, winning a whole bunch of battles and creating, like, a really great reputation for himself. 
And one day he meets like this Spartan general, uh, Lysander, and they get to talking. And Lysander's all just like, bro, I just want to be like the supreme ruler of Greece. And Cyrus is like, oh my god, bro, I want to be the supreme ruler of Persia, but I can't because my brother's over there. And, like, because he's older than me, he's I'm surprised he hasn't just killed his brother, because from what I understand, that's what you do. Yeah, right? that, that's definitely what you do. Yeah. Um, well, because at the time, like, now he was the favorite his, his uh, with his mom and stuff like that. So I think, like, Cyrus was probably thinking that after his dad passed or whatever, because he had, like proven himself in war mm-hmm. and to be a leader that maybe he would just be able to like swoop in and scoop up that throne uh from his brother yeah possibly yeah him and lysander start to get talking about how they want to like like lysander wants to be the ruler of greece and cyrus wants to be the ruler of persia and so they like team up they team up together mm-hmm. And Lysander's like, hey, bro, you come help me over here with this war I got going on, and I will for sure come and help you uh, get your throne. Okay. And so Cyrus is like, yeah, that's awesome. Let's go do this. So they go over, and um, basically, like, they, I don't, I didn't write down what battle they did, but they go in and they wipe out this, like, other country, and they, they win a bunch of battles. And then, also around this time, Darius, Cyrus's father, he falls ill. And he's like, Cyrus, you gotta come home. I'm sick. Uh, I'm on my deathbed. Come home. Yeah. Come be with me. For sure. So Cyrus was like, fine. He goes to Lysander. He's like, hey, I know that we're like doing all this great shit and this war and stuff like that, but I gotta go because my dad's about to die. So I'm gonna give you a bunch of money, some men, mm-hmm. and all this different shit, and I'm gonna head back. And Lysander was like, Cool, bro. And then his story kind of like veers off. And like this and other thing. Does and he, he ever take over Greece? Uh, no. Lysander oh. does not take over Greece. Uh, he doesn't really do well so much after. So he wasn't a yeah. born leader. No. Yeah. He dreamed a little bit too big of a dream. Yeah. But that's okay. We're not talking about him. So Darius gets sick, calls his son home. He's like, all right, dad, I'm on my way home. And while he's on his way home, he really starts to get to thinking, like, oh, shit, my dad's going to die. I want this throne. How am I going to get this throne? I'm going to go to my mommy. My mom fucking murder his brother. Me. Okay. Or, or murder his brother. Or murder his brother. That's possible. That's possible. And so he gets back, and he, like, he's talking to his dad, and he's, like, trying to talk to his mom. And his mom's like, yeah, yeah, like, don't worry. We'll, we'll make sure that you're king. We'll make sure you're king. So Cyrus, who had been off becoming popular in these neighboring countries and stuff with his heroics and victories, um, he comes back and after the dad dies, he declares his claim to the throne. Mm -hmm. And basically his argument that he, as to why he should ascend to the throne over his brother was because he was born after Darius had ascended to the throne. Um, therefore supposedly giving him more of a royal claim versus his brother who was born before Darius ascended to the throne, oh. which I mean, is such a shitty, dumb thing to say. I thought it was going to be like a gun show. It was going to be like, look how much stronger I am here and I can slay this lion or something. Yeah. 
So clearly, like people didn't really dig that argument. No. They were like, um, "No, your your brother was born first. We'll murder your brother. Secession goes to the firstborn. Um, so uh, Arceus is proclaimed king, and his he changes his name to Artaxerxes the second, and um, his his brother or Artaxerxes was sort of just like, "Hey, you know what? No hard feelings. I see you wanted to take my crown." Not a big deal. I really like what you've done over in this other shit. Like, go continue to be the commander. And he sent him back. Um, He's, like, trying to be diplomatic and not an asshole. Yeah. He was just like, hey, you know what? No hard feelings. Go back and do your job. You're doing really well. Uh, I'll make you the commander of the maritime provinces. So he kind of gives him a little upgrade. Yeah. So, I mean... But that's that's not good enough for no, little Cyrus here. He uh, didn't get Persia. So. No, he clearly because I mean he's been sitting here this whole time feel, feeling like he's he a little bit more it. deserves it, mm-hmm. a little bit more deserving. And possible? It's possible. It's hard to really say. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Which yeah. <laughs> so Cyrus is like not bad. No way, pal. I'm going to kill this bitch and I'm going to take the throne. Uh-huh. Because now he's, like, in full, like, oh, I couldn't get it that way. Well, now I'm going to just fucking kill you and take it that and take it that way because then I have a who's going to stand in my way? Exactly. But it's also just, like, bro, you got two younger brothers. How are you not worried that they'll fucking do the same thing He'll to kill you? them, too. Just yeah, kill possible. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> We already started one. Just he, keep going. he just needs to get rid of this one. Maybe yeah. the other two, two really really were interested. Yeah. They were, you know, like we don't want any of this. Maybe they're basket weaving after super. Yeah. Basket Maybe weaving. the one guy was like really into the heart and like yeah, and he's gonna become an artist. And the other one was an artist. Who knows? Who knows? So he starts to get a little bit of a plan together. Mm-hmm. And as he's getting this plan together, and he's like trying to like get some soldiers. Uh, there's a soldier by the name of Tissafern. Tissaphernes, and he hears about this plan, but this dude loves Artaxerxes. Like, he is so far up Artaxerxes' butt, like, he's just, he fanboys. So he goes and he tells the king, and he's almost like, hey, yo, your brother's trying to kill you, just so you know. Just want to let you know. And uh, Artaxerxes is like, no way. So he goes and gets his brother and imprisons him. And Cyrus is like, whoa, dude, he gets pissed. And not only does he get pissed, but Queen Mommy gets pissed. Mm -hmm. Because her son, her firstborn, who she doesn't really like all that much because she just loves Cyrus so much. Well, favorites. She interferes and she pleads and begs and pleads and begs and begs and begs for Artaxerxes to release Cyrus from jail. And finally, Artaxerxes is like, fine, Mom. And I'll do it. I'll do because I love you and I'm the good son. And I'm going to like just so that you will one day love me. That's your firstborn boy. I'm going to release Cyrus and I'm going to send him back to his post in Sardis. And like so that he is away. Is away. Maybe if he just goes away, away, then. He'll like, start trying to kill yeah. me. Yeah. No. no. Cyrus gets more pissed. He's more pissed off. He's more insulted by the fact that his brother arrested him and put him in jail. And it's just like, you were trying to kill him. Like, what did you honestly expect to happen? Be beheaded. In the future, just behead immediately. So he, yes. So he leaves. So he leaves and he goes back to Sardis. And he spends the next three years planning his revenge. And 
He's doing, but this time, he's doing it a little bit more covertly. He's not really telling other people that his plan is to kill his brother. His plan is to gather up an army and go attack uh, some of these other places. So he spent the next three years. He gathers this huge, huge army that, like, it was like thirty to 40,000 people. And he gets them all together and he prepares an expedition to go kill this mountain tribe. And so he gets his whole army and then he leads out. But when he was supposed to go west, he decides to go east. And he doesn't tell anybody. And we're like back in the day, right? People just like follow orders and they just oh, go. Yeah. Well then, so all of a sudden, this like army of like 4,000 people is like marching up on the kingdom. And good guy, Tissaphernes again, he spots... He spots an army, and he's all just like, shit, I know exactly what's going down. Mm-hmm. Cyrus is back. So he runs over to the king again. He's like, dude, your brother's back to kill you, but he's got like 40,000, 50,000 men. Like, what are we going to do? And Artaxerxes um, gathers as much of the men as he can, but obviously it's not nearly enough because mm-hmm. realistically – most of his men are over on the other side. Yeah. Uh, because they want to follow the stronger leader. Well, when there's almost that, they thought that they were going to go find a mountain tribe. Oh. So now he's, like, swinging back, like, fighting. Oh, my God. I have to say, though, Cyrus's plan was was pretty good. I mean, it was pretty good. It was real shitty. He was known But it was a good war for, tactic. Yeah. It was a good war tactic. Back in the 400, in the 400 BCs. So he gets his army together and thus begins the Battle of Conexa. So we got this Battle of Conexa going on. Cyrus has clearly got the numbers. He's clearly going to win. And he's seeing it. And he knows it. He knows he's going to win. And so he sees his brother off on on his horse because they're all on horses and they're all doing whatever. And he sends one of his Greek commanders, Cleararchus, to go capture the center around Artaxerxes um, so that Cyrus will be able to, to move in and, and kill his brother easily. Mm-hmm. So they were going to encircle them. Um, but Cleararchus gets a little scared about being trapped in and he disobeys and he takes all of his men and he runs off to the other side. And so as a result, Tissaphernes, uh, is able to get in and sort of intersect Cyrus running or going towards Artaxerxes. Uh, so now there's a couple, there's two different versions of sort of how Cyrus dies here. So in one version, Cyrus sees his brother, jumps off his horse to attack Artaxerxes, but is struck by a soldier. He falls from his horse in his days, and a bunch of eunuchs find him. They try to bring him to safety, but one of the eunuchs is on the king's side, and he stabs him in the back of the knee with a dart, strikes a vein, causing Cyrus to fall, hit his head on a stone, whereupon he dies. So sad. Poor eunuch. Remember that eunuch, he comes back later. Okay, Okay, so there's that version. Now, originally, good guy Tissaphernes claimed to be the person that hit him when he flew from his horse, uh, having killed Cyrus. But then rumors started spreading that Queen Mommy Perisatis was looking to take her vengeance out on the person that killed her favorite son. Mm-hmm. So he quickly sat the fuck down and shut the fuck up because he was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to die for this. Because he didn't. He which, was not which the one. I wonder if she would have married, uh, murder, murdered her own. 
Well, hold on. So, the second story, which I think is the one that more likely happened just because it flows a little bit better with the rest of the story. So, Cyrus, while being super fucking happy for basically winning this battle, he full-on charges through the enemy lines on horseback directly at his brother while crying out, and he, while crying out, clear the way, villains, clear the way. And apparently, people actually did. And they would throw that they either threw themselves and down in front of the horse to get out of the way as this horse, like this champion, was like charging through, or they just like actually parted ways, like a sea of men just like parted ways while he went down, like he was Moses. Uh, but then it said that <laughs> his tiara dropped off his head, and a young Persian soldier by the name of Mithridates, who just happened to be running by struck a dart into one of his temples near his eye, not knowing who he was. Blood started gushing out. Cyrus became senseless and fell from his horse and died. So, I mean, it's, it doesn't, it's really, it's conflicting as to whether and how he died because someone says he got stabbed behind the knee and he bled out, mm -hmm. but he hit his head, which caused him to die, so there's still like the head injury. Well, this one is basically like he got stabbed in the face um, and then still fell from his horse. Mm -hmm. He still fell from his horse regardless, uh, and there was still a head wound. But to be clear, both the eunuch uh, who supposedly slit Cyrus's knee vein and Mithridates were both put to death for Cyrus's death. Well, um, you by have the queen to take vengeance regardless, right? Yeah. It was and her favorite. She was creative. So, Cyrus dies. Artaxerxes learns the news, and then he hears that Mithridates was the man who had done it. So he is like, awesome. And he starts showering the man um, with riches, gold, and jewelry, uh, because he had basically secured his position as king of Persia forever. Mm -hmm. No one was going to come contest the throne now. But then he realized, well, no, I want everyone to believe that I killed my brother because I mean Xerxes it makes him sound more badass too. Yeah. because yeah. he wasn't a badass person he was like this meek one yeah so it sounds better that he defeated his big strong brother mm -hmm. in the battle that had like 40 50,000 men so yeah so the king wants everyone to think that he the great Artaxerxes the one true ruler of Persia second of his name that he was the one that killed Cyrus. So he tells everyone that the rewards were for collecting the shit that fell off of Cyrus's horse. So basically, like, they now they call them trappings. And I don't know if that's, like, literal horse shit. And mm -hmm. he was basically saying, like, no, Mithridates collected the horse shit from Cyrus's horse, so I'm giving him all of these jewels and stuff. So people were just like, well, that's a little weird. Yeah. Like, why are you giving him so much stuff? Uh, the king threw a huge banquet to celebrate the victory of the battle, um, to which he invited Mithridates to. And homeboy strolls up wearing everything the king gave him. Every oh. piece of clothing, the bracelet, dripping, dripping in gold. Jewelry, rings, like just his hair done to the nines. Maybe probably rolled up rap stars back in the day. Yeah, like probably rolled up and like the Rolls Royces, the Royce, I don't know. Rolls Royce, yeah. Rolls, the Rolls Royces of like carriages, the horses of all horses, just like strolled up looking like a snack. Super fly. And the dude was ready to party and he starts getting 
drunk, partying it up with everybody. Because everybody's all fucking happy, right? They just, like, defeated this battle. The king's really happy. Everybody wants yeah. to be happy because the king's happy. And he starts talking about how, like, he did all this huge, glorious, heroic task for the king. And what an honor he is, blah, blah, blah. And people are all just like, oh, my God, like, look at all, how great you look. Where did you get this jacket? Yada, yada, yada. But this one dude is like, bro. How glorious of of it was it really if, like, all you did was collect horseshit? Yeah. And Mithridates was having none of it. So he's all just like, bro, no. I'm really the one that killed Cyrus. You know? And everyone's like, what? Really? And he tells a story about about how he was, like, in the right place at the right time and he just happened to throw like his dart and it hit him in the head and and all this different stuff and how he was like saving the king because he saw the guy charge like and he really like you know he was building up the story he was changing the story a little bit where it was like he was the one that killed him and everyone around was just like yeah well one of the eunuchs of the queen mother was around and she happened to hear and went back and told queen mommy who, by the way, had just lost her favorite son. It was mourning. Even though she was at this party to celebrate, because she had to celebrate her other son. Yeah. But she was still really upset about losing her favorite child, Cyrus. She was very much mourning. I'm surprised she had so much say over the king, though. I mean, she was the queen before, and then she had this weak-boyed son... She was the kind of bitch where if you looked at her the wrong way, you you probably died. People were... She was thirsty. Yeah. She was very scary. So she orders Mithridates to be executed by scaphism. I want to say, like, that's where they, like, chop off, like, your scalp. But I don't think that's what No. It <laughs> it's also known as the boats. Okay. So this is a torturous death. A really... It, it's gruesome. And I gotta give... I gotta give the Persians credit if they were the ones... Actually, I believe it was the Greeks. I believe it was the Greeks that created it. Because this shit is creative. So, scaphism is where you securely fasten a victim inside two narrow boats or hollowed-out tree trunks where their arms and their legs and their head are sticking out, but basically their body is covered by the two boats. They feed them, sorry, they engorge them full of milk and honey. Then they yes. pour milk and honey yep. all over their bodies and they let them fester in the sweltering heat yep. in a stagnant pond to be eaten by vermin and blood. I remember this. Vermin and bugs. Mm-hmm. So every day, someone came by and would feed Mithridates more honey and milk. And if he didn't eat, they would stick needles into his eyes to make him eat the honey and the milk. Mm -hmm. Then they would pour honey over his eyes, ears, mouth, well, basically his whole face, genitals, and his anus. Uh, After a few days, or actually I don't even think it was a few days, it was probably really quickly, uh, flies covered his face completely. Uh, He became covered in his own feces. Rats started to eat into his stomach. Um, I won't really get too much into any of the more courier details but it was it was bad he suffered for 17 days before he finally died um 
Although some accounts say that he finally, they finally just killed him after the 17 days because he was still alive. Because you that. do stay alive because you yeah. still have sustenance. Yeah, when basically when they decided that he was more or less dead, they took the boat, the top boat off of it, and like he basically had no skin. All of his skin had been eaten away. Rats were inside of his abdominals, um, eating him from the inside out. But he was still alive. He was still alive. After 17 days. So, yeah, that was... <laughs> that is uh, the death of Mithridates, uh, who accidentally killed the rebel Persian prince, Cyrus the Young. And who even knows if he actually did it? He may have just made up a story to be like, oh, I'm so cool, here's my story. Yes. And it's like, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding when you try to kill him, but... Yes. You know. Well... Basically, anyone who said or was in any way linked to the death of Cyrus the Young was murdered. Mm -hmm. uh, the eunuch that was supposedly that killed that killed him by slitting the vein in the back of the neck, he was flayed alive um, and died pretty quickly mm -hmm. uh, from that. Um, and then Tissaphernes, who was the one who... Uh, got him originally put in jail, and then or Cyrus put in jail, and was also the soldier that tipped off the king the second time. Mm -hmm. So good guy Tissaphernes. Uh, she had him assassinated years later. Uh, it took her a little bit more time. She kind of built that vengeance up. However, all it really said was that he got tricked into someone's home and was slain. But I really feel like. That one she probably was a little bit more creative with because it took her a really long time to be able to get his death. Do you think, like, Cersei was actually modeled after her? Actually, Cersei was modeled after somebody else, and I know who she was modeled. I, I don't know who she was actually modeled after, but it was a king and queen in, in England. Okay, because that does sound like, like that sort of protection. I, you know mean, what I mean, yeah. Like... Yeah, let's be for real. Let's... I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised at all because, like, she was she was crazy. She also had um, Artaxerxes' wife murdered. She poisoned her mm -hmm. um, for speaking out against her and stuff like that. Like, basically, anyone that this chick didn't like, she murdered or had murdered. You have to respect the fact that she did not take any shit and she was crazy. I do respect that she didn't take, take any, any shit, shit, but, um, I mean, maybe she could have given a little bit more shits about one of her other kids. No, that's other not how it works. Other than Cyrus. That's not how that works. So, yeah, yeah that, uh, that was my story. It's a great story. All right, well, that'll be, I guess that's it for this episode of People Keep Dying, the podcast where we talk about uh, how people die and hope. Hopefully you won't die before the next podcast. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.